New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky. We are having such a blast with the podcast. Hello, my dear. This is super fun stuff. And today we're going to be talking about something that affects my life and it might affect yours or someone you love. It is called orthorexia. And here to talk about this is a wonderful Marcy Warhaft Nadler. She has joined us in the past. We are thrilled to have her back. She's a body image advocate, eating disorder survivor and founder of the Fit versus Fiction Body Image Workshops. Hello there, Marcy. Welcome back. Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Why don't you jump in and define orthorexia for us? Okay, basically what orthorexia is, it is uh, an obsession with maintaining a healthy diet. So it hasn't been um, clinically diagnosed yet as an eating disorder, but it has a lot of the same characteristics as uh, anorexia nervosa, but with some differences as well. So it's being absolutely obsessed with clean eating, um, and the, the, what's interesting is that the difference between orthorexia and something like anorexia nervosa, for example, is that with anorexia, the goal is to be thin and to lose weight. With orthorexia, it's to be healthy and natural. But what happens is it becomes so obsessed with being healthy that it becomes unhealthy for several mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah, that totally I makes w- sense. Go ahead, Andrea. You know, I would think I was like, I'm listening and I'm kind of thinking back to when I first got into this industry 16 years ago. And I would say in the beginning, I probably had orthorexia. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to, I went back to school and I learned all about eating healthy. And then at least for me, what I found is I became so obsessed that I was so much to the left. I mean, I wanted, and I wanted myself to be, eating, you know, like I wanted myself to eat clean, but I also wanted everyone around me to eat clean. You know, I think yeah. it goes beyond just me. Well, that, that's actually, <laughs> that's actually one of the big signs is that it, hmm. it, it it can well. One of the big signs and one of the big problems is that it actually creates mm-hmm. risks in families and in relationships because it, you mm-hmm. do. And I don't mean this <laughs> as a judgment, but you do develop yeah, a course. bit of a superiority complex, and it becomes very judgmental with the way other people eat, the choices that they make. Um, so that causes a problem. And it, you know, the people will say, "So it's bad to eat healthy," and the answer is obviously no. But when it crosses a line and it becomes isolating when you become completely fearful of eating anything that you don't prepare yourself, when um, people sometimes cut out so many food groups that they're left with, you know, five or ten things that they'll eat and feel comfortable with, when you're eating a certain way and then you have to, for whatever reason, go off that plan even one time and and you become self-loathing and you feel shame, that's a problem. So if it really starts interfering with your life, um, then that's when you realize, okay, this is, this isn't healthy and you have to look at, at why and what else is going on. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. You know, it's funny. There's several, t- a couple things I want to bring up. The first of all is my husband laughs at me because I'll be like, Oh, look at this great paleo or clean meal. And he's like, Oh, aren't you high and mighty? I'm like, no, no, I'm not saying <laughs> it like that. And he's super health conscious too, but he likes his whole grains, but they make me tired. And so something I mentioned before the show is I have a lot of food sensitivities And so for me, it's hard because I know if I eat a certain thing, I'm going to feel sick and I don't want to feel sick, but then I have a lot of food sensitivities. So I'm like limited this and that. And then 
then I was doing a show about clean eating. So I got even more obsessed. And now I'm like, like I had pizza recently and I really, I felt sick afterwards, but then I beat myself up. So I'm like, okay, I, I need help. So for someone like me, who's on the border or maybe verging <laughs> over into it, <laughs> what yeah, do we do? Because I, I, I want to keep eating clean because I want to well, feel healthy, right? So how yeah, do we balance I mean, this? Anytime that you can, that you can describe whatever you're doing as obsessive, that's a problem. Um, yeah, you won't uh, balance yeah. all the time, and, Gosh, and I think you know, another one of the another one of the the indicators or the signs is a concern over relationships between food and certain health issues. So, you know, mm. I think some people um, will come at it as some people will kind of validate their decisions to cut out food because of that. It's the same way what I see a lot, where I'll see a teenager who will suddenly decide she wants to become a vegetarian for moral issues when it's really not the moral issues. It's okay. because it's a good way to get society to back you up when you want to cut out a food group. So there are people, mm. not everyone, but there are people who will say, okay, so I ate this. I'm feeling tired today. It must be that I had that grain. So now I'm not eating grain. Uh, I know I'm feeling moody mm. today. I'm feeling down. Oh, I had cheese. Okay, so now I'm going to cut out dairy. It's like a way of... Instead of going to a doctor um, and getting any kind of support there, because that's the problem too. For a lot of people, there's no medical background behind it. There's no reason behind it. And it's strictly them trying to find a connection uh, to validate cutting something out. So uh, I think what's really important is to get the full picture, to not sort of self-diagnose around food, because it's a really easy thing to do, uh, and then make your decisions. Because what's interesting, too, is a lot of the things that the reasons why people will avoid certain foods are related to mood and um, fatigue. And the funny thing is that that they're doing that, that they're getting tired and moody because they're cutting out certain foods. So you don't want to kind of do a whole catch-22 situation. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I do think, though, if somebody does like a really good rotation diet like I did, where it's hardcore, I mean, you're taking out wheat, corn, soy, dairy, you know, all the allergens, eggs for, mm-hmm. you know, a month. And then you add each one back in and see your reaction. And that's what I did. Then I was like, whoa. But what I realized, which was good, is like, okay, I can have corn once a week and not feel bad. But when I start eating corn right. tortillas five days in a row, I feel like crap. So I think that if you if you do want to get to the bottom of it, I would Google rotation diet. I don't know, Andrea, if that's something you're familiar with, but that's usually what they'll recommend, like the naturopaths or, you know, that's so a like good way to go to help you figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and I like what you said also, though, because what, what you're doing, though, see, what you just said didn't sound compulsive at all or obsessive at all because what oh, you're good. saying is, well, that's what I, did. I did it. <laughs> yeah, because what, you're, what, you, did what you didn't yeah. do was ban the food. You said, okay, so this is what no. I don't feel great when I have this in large quantities, but I can introduce it into my diet in this way. That yes. is showing that you don't have a fear of the food because any kind of oh, disorder, good. you create a fear around food, right? And so yeah. by you saying, okay, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to bring it in, but I'm going to bring it in in a way that makes me feel okay. That's balance. There's no fear around oh, that. That's good. So that, well, that think- is a healthy outlook. And I do think there are certain foods, like for example, myself, I don't eat dairy or I don't eat gluten because I know how it makes me feel. There's an actual correlation between me eating it, ingesting it, and then, you know, having a distended stomach. So I know right. there are certain things of how I feel. But now, am I afraid of it? Am I fearful of it? Absolutely not. And going back to what I said originally is when I first, it was, when, and this is probably for those of you who are listening, you might feel the same way, is once you start learning to eat healthy and you're just getting into this industry or you're learning, you know, you're starting to change your diet, we tend to go overboard to one extreme and then eventually mm-hmm. it balances out. And, you know, 16 years later, 
I'm pretty balanced. You know, I'm not fearful of any food. I eat whatever I want. I have my chocolate every single day because I've realized what works well for me. Lisa, the same way you said what works well for you. And I yeah. think that's the key too. And to your point, Marcy, is not to be afraid of foods is if you, you know, I have an obsession. I love organic popcorn. I just do. I love organic popcorn. So I know on Friday nights and, so you know, it's movie night in our house, <laughs> I'll have a bowl of my organic popcorn. Am I cutting it out? No, but I have to limit myself because right. I could eat entire ba entire bags of it. So I do love that, you know, and I think this is a great conversation because I think for those who are new to this lifestyle or learning about it, some people feel it's an all or nothing type of scenario, but it's really not. Mm -hmm. Okay, but here's the other part of that, is that one of the things that you just said that I that I really picked up on was how, you're right, that some of us, with anything that we try that's new, we go kind of full on, full force with it, and then we kind mm -hmm. of ease up a bit. But that's some people. And what happens with a lot of people with orthorexia is that there are other underlying issues there. There's OCD, mm -hmm. there's um, some nervous bipolar, there's some depression, um, there's other things there that make it difficult. So I know for myself, right, it took me mm -hmm. years of my, with my eating disorder, <laughs> I didn't kind of bounce back from the extreme. I went one extreme to the other for 30 years before I found mm -hmm. my balance. Wow. So right. there is that, that danger there. And I think, you know, another, another um, symptom kind of thing to, to look out for is when people are more concerned with what they're eating than, than getting any pleasure from the food. You know, once you're not getting mm -hmm. pleasure, from food because you're you're so concerned with what's in it. That's a problem too. Like Andrea, you just said you love your organic popcorn, right? That's a, that's a great thing. I love it. I enjoy it. It's when you mm -hmm. when that's what I used to do when I was knee deep in my eating disorder. It was I would eat things I did not enjoy. I would eat my fat free, sugar free, garbage stuff that you know was kind of chocolate colored <laughs> but had no flavor mm -hmm. because right. I was so afraid of having stuff that had you know fat in it, which is ridiculous because it's it's so much healthier and it and and so much more satisfying but i just i didn't care to enjoy any of my food i was more concerned with how much fat and calories were in it that's a disorder i love that you said that and i love that you said that marcy because you're basically saying you're giving up taste you know you're kind of swapping taste for low calories and i think that's 100 percent. that was my whole entire life i lived yeah, on have artificial yeah. sweetener i mean how how awful is that yeah. You know, well, that's pretty awful afraid. in terms of in terms, not in terms of what you did. No judgment there, but in terms of the actual sweeteners. I mean, now we know. No, but that's that, what I'm know, saying. Then that's my point yeah. is that I would never do that now because I know how unhealthy it is. But it yeah. was that fear of of the calories and 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 all of that. So it's a different um, it's a different goal, but it's the same. It's the same action. So if you're giving up the joy of food, because you know, food is pleasure. If you're giving that yeah. up because of another reason, because you're, you're, you know, you want to eat so clean, then you really have to look at, at the motivation behind that because it's, it's you, know, you know, it's, it's just one of the pleasures. You know, Marcy, you mentioned before you alluded to the fact that you had an eating disorder and for those who are listening can say, Oh, wait a second, you know, what's her story. Can you just tell us quickly what your background is? So those who are just joining or those who are listening sure. can actually get a sense of who you are and why you're an expert in this area. Okay. Well, I developed, um, I developed an eating disorder when I was 17 after um, losing my brother from trauma. And my eating disorder pretty much just went from one extreme to the other. So from 17 until into my 30s, I, I went back and forth between anorexia nervosa and um, compulsive overeating and compulsive exercising. And uh, I put my life uh, at risk several times and my health at risk through over-exercising, through uh, under-eating, um, and mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, just sort of tortured myself 
And after when, when I finally went into recovery for it and I came out of it, I felt compelled to do something about it for kids who are suffering now with body image issues because they're still rampant right now. And I created a program called Fit vs. Fiction that I take to schools from grade one through high school. And I discuss uh, the difference between just looking fit and being fit, what being healthy really means. We discuss media manipulation, um, gender stereotyping, all the things that affect kids' body image and self-esteem. Because kids need to have the tools to be less vulnerable to outside information that isn't in their best interest. And because I went through it, I'm hoping to save other kids and other parents from, from going through the trauma that I couldn't avoid. And for those of you who are listening, I mean, definitely visit Marcy's website. Marcy, why don't you spell it out for people who are listening? Okay. It's F-I-T-V-S-F-I-C-T-I-O-N.com, fitversusfiction.com. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say for the, you know, Marcy's changed my life, my daughter's life in terms of if if there are any, if there are ever any issues in our household, I mean, we call Marcy. So my daughter's had issues where people would call her fat at school or mommy, how she'd come home and say, mommy, how come my thighs are touching when everybody else's aren't touching? Or how come my legs are bigger? Or how come my arms are bigger? How come whatever it is, you know, kids have these questions. And I know Marcy, you told us this kids as young in grade one that are having body issues. And I think that's why this discussion is so important and what you do is so crucial. I have seen your presentations. I love it. I can watch them a hundred times over because they're fascinating. It never gets old. Your information is so relevant to women, men, girls, boys. I mean, anybody out there, it is super relevant. So I just want to say, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we're not finished this discussion, but I'm putting in a quick <laughs> thank you because I do think that you deserve those kudos. Aw, thanks. Well, yeah, you know, I want to jump in right now. Yeah, oh, I just want to jump in, Marcy, because our sponsor this month is NeoCell, and we're such fans. They have great products. They're collagen products for your total body health, your joint health, skin and joint health, antioxidant health, beauty from within, sport recovery, and it makes a really big difference. And you can take them. They have this great mint chocolate flavor, uh, and they also, speaking of obsessive, I have to hide the bag for myself. Now, Marcy, I think in my case it's okay because I, I will eat the whole bag. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, the acai that's really good. I have a thing for mint chocolate. You have the uh, the acai yeah. berry. Yeah, those are so good. But anyway, they have hyaluronic acid and all kinds of great stuff. So check them out at neocell.com. Now, Master, you were going to respond to what Andrea had said about all the great work that you do. And I'm jealous. I haven't seen your presentation yet. Oh. I want to check it out. Oh, oh you would love it. You know what? It, it, uh, I started speaking out, like I said, because I felt compelled to do something. And, and I think I've always been honest about my struggles. Um, from the very beginning, because I feel that by being open and honest about what I went through, I give kids a safe place to do the same thing. And it's amazing to have kids of all ages really come over to me after or, or contact me through Facebook or email me and, and share things that maybe they didn't want to share in front of people. But what I also started doing was I'll speak to the parents as well. So I'll go to a school and I'll speak all day with the kids and then I'll go the following week and speak at night to the parents. And then I'm giving the parents some feedback so they can know if, if they don't discuss it with their kids. First of all, the kids go home and discuss it with their parents, the presentation, and get the, the conversation going. But then I can also tell the parents what, what the kids are, are feeling and, and saying and, and discussing at school. And I give parents the tools that they need to help their kids grow up with the self-esteem that they deserve to have. Because sometimes as parents, you know, we, we, we don't know what to do. We don't know where the messages are coming from. And so uh, it's important that everybody... That everybody really talks about it, feels safe to talk about it, um, and is honest about it. Because I'll tell you one thing I've learned that's really important 
is that having an eating disorder, an eating disorder is, is a horrible, horrible thing, but I'm not a horrible person for battling one. And that's something that a lot of people get confused with. There's a lot of shame there, and there shouldn't be shame. I am not my eating disorder, and it's really important that, uh, that people can understand that separation. So there's no shame in talking about it. There's no shame in getting help for it. Uh, and the more we talk about it, the more we bring it out front and out in the open, the less of a problem it's going to be for kids as they grow up. And I think, you know, Marcy, the dialogue like you were saying before, giving parents the tools, because even someone like myself, I, you know, I, I w- I'm sure when I was growing up, I had some form of an eating of an eating disorder. I always thought I was fat. I didn't think, you know, I, I didn't want to eat this. I didn't want to eat that. And I would mm-hmm. say it was more in my teens than it was once I started to learn how to, you know, once I learned to eat healthy and clean, I would say that, you know, in the beginning it was to the right, but I'd say it then evened out. Like I know we talked about that earlier, but I think giving parents the dialogue. So for example, you know, I'd love you to share a couple of stories with us, you know, maybe one from a girl, one from a boy, but also, you know, giving us the tool. So, you know, let's say you have a child who eats a lot and the child is eating a lot of unhealthy things. How do you tell them that you want them to eat healthier options? Obviously not saying if you could, if you keep eating that, you're going to get fat or is that okay? You know, giving us those, the words. And I think that's what it comes down to is you don't want to, you know, then you have the, as a parent, you're like, oh my God, if I tell them they're going to get fat, they're going to get an eating disorder. You know, how much truth is there behind that? And how do you Mm. speak? to children so that you want to really hit on their healthy living aspects as opposed right. to the weight concept. Well, that's exactly it. So I, you wouldn't say you're going to get fat for so many reasons. Um, yeah. One thing is what, what we tend to do is in our society is demonize fat. And we don't want to do that because fat is a nutrient. Right. We need it. It's healthy. Right. Yeah. There's good fat. Bad fat, but kids don't know the difference with that. And we, we never say that anyway. We just throw out the word fat like it's a big negative thing. And you also don't want kids to feel like being fat is the most horrific thing that they could be. Um, and to judge other people like that. It just creates a whole bunch of other problems. So you want the focus to be on health. And, and uh, kids also don't respond very well to lectures, um, regardless of their age. So I think it's more in action. And it's always, for me, the key with anything is to keep it positive. So it's, it shouldn't be, yeah. if you eat this, this bad thing's going to happen. It says, if we eat this, this good thing is going to happen. So mm-hmm. go to the store together. Buy new foods. Um, a food should be exciting and it should be fun. It shouldn't be like, oh, if I eat that, shame, or if I eat that, bad thing. It should be, okay, let's try a new vegetable that we haven't had before. Let's try something, try new recipes you haven't had before. This is, and what is this going to do for me? This is going to give me energy. This is going to make my bones strong. This is going to make me, you know, whatever it is, feel more awake and more alert and be better at baseball or whatever it is that they, that they do. It's the positive. So get excited about food, but do it with them. Go shopping together find recipes together, cook together. But it's, it's less about taking stuff out and more about bringing, bringing the positivity in. And it also, what we have to be really careful of, because this happens way, way too often, is you may have two kids in your house or three kids in your house, and some of them may be thinner and some of them may be heavier. And what some parents will do is they'll say, okay, you know, Johnny can have dessert, but Tina can't. You know, you have an apple while he has some cake or something like that. And there's huge problems that come for that. So, Regardless, the whole family has to eat the same way. And you all should That's be. A very good healthy point. is healthy. So everybody should That's be eating healthy. Point. Anyway, and don't make it all about food. You know, if your kid has a really big appetite, just make sure they're also being active and doing something fun that they like that's active because it shouldn't only be on food. You know, it's food plus activity. So mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. uh, it's, again, it's that, it's that balance, but it's about keeping it, keeping it positive. And not a you, if you, you, you. It's just people need this 
in their body. We need this. We're like a machine. If we, it's like a car. If you put the wrong kind of gas in the car, it won't work properly. You got to fuel it the right way. Same thing. Well, you know, when I was a kid, uh, my best friend Cindy had come to my house, and my grandmother. This is there's several funny things in the story. Number one, she thought a milkshake was you just put milk in a blender by itself and just mm. like whip it up, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. Maybe other people, maybe that is a milkshake. I always thought it involved ice cream. I mean, this was in the seventies. <laughs> but the funnier thing is, so I was kind of short, and my friend Cindy was really tall, so she gave me a full glass, and she only gave Cindy half a glass, and she was like, "You're big enough." And I was so embarrassed, and I remember Cindy. Oh. I mean, she was she was just super tall. Um, the ironic thing though was I had a growth spurt now I'm taller than she is but it, I was just horrified I thought how rude can you be grandma my gosh but I just had to share that story because I mean that was a million years ago and I remember it like it was yesterday and she was oh, pretty upset sure. too right oh, yeah, I've I heard mean... stories like, yeah for sure I, I had somebody tell yeah. me once that uh, she was eating at a, at a buffet at a family like a family not really a buffet but it was like a family get together there's a plate of food and she went to eat and her grandmother literally smacked the food out of her hand, saying, you've eaten enough oh. in front of everybody. That's going to cause oh, some problems. That's terrible. Oh, that's <laughs> definitely going to cause some problems. Yeah. And what happens, too, is that what, what a lot of people think is if I, because I just had somebody say to me the other day, well, isn't it okay to kind of shame somebody out of eating too much, like to make them feel bad about it? And obviously, the answer is no for so many reasons. But it's also counterproductive because what I found happens a lot is that the person who is being judged on what they eat, instead of saying, oh, you know, my mother, my aunt, my friend, whatever, is putting me down for eating, I'm going to listen to them and and I'm going to not eat. They say, well, really? I'm going to eat at you then. So then instead of having five cookies, they're going to have ten cookies just to spite you. And so Mm -hmm. shaming somebody and making them feel bad about what they're eating, not only is it mean, but it's it's really not going to serve your purpose anyway. It's so true, Marcy. Marcy... Can you, again, repeat your website so everybody knows how they could sure. find you? So www.fitvsficton.com, fitversusfiction.com. And on Twitter? I am at fit underscore vs underscore fiction. Perfect. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Marcy. I mean, a wealth of knowledge and somebody who's lived it. And I think at the end of the day, that's what makes you so special and unique because you've lived it and now you're helping others. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm Andrew Donsky along with Lisa Davis. This is Naturally Savvy Radio on Radio MD. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Your Radio MD and at Naturally Savvy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well.